0: hello it's working good morning how are you guys doing good thanks for letting me be here and crash your party <laughs> um this is gonna be good i've been working with steiger for about 20 years uh here international here in minneapolis uh internationally with no longer music the suitcase sideshow, show the scallywags bike club in the early 2000s uh and I guess I'm here to share how I interact with the world through art for the gospel. And um, so a lot of people like to, de- like to be advocates for things, and I see that I'm an advocate for healing the human heart. And the best way I see to do that is through the arts and collaboration with the creator of the universe. Uh, so I, that's what I'm going to talk about. But This is my wife, Sari. We've been married for just over 10 years. We got three kids with one on the way. So we're busy. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for the applause. (laughs) I need that. Um, I went to school to be a film composer. Uh, I moved here. I grew up around the country. Uh, I'm, I'm actually the fourth generation in my family to use art, music, puppetry to present the gospel. Uh, That started with my great-grandfather, who came over just after the Titanic. They said, no, we won't take that ship. So they didn't. So here I am. Uh, You can read about it. We have a book in the back that we just released, 100 years of celebrating uh, art and evangelism throughout the last four or five generations in my family. Um, so yeah, so I, this is kind of part of my, my blood, my DNA. Uh, and then I, I got introduced to Steiger and it was just a perfect fit. I can't believe God led me here to Minneapolis, having grown up in New England and grown up around the country, using art to share the gospel, having a, a heart for the outcast and for the, the artists, uh, the kind of people I hung out with in high school. And then Steiger was just that. Perfect fit So I fell in love with film composition. I just love movies and music and orchestra and music, and just yeah, so I went to school, and while I was in school to be a film composer, I was also working in a, a, a theater in Minneapolis. It was kind of a punk rock theater. I saw myself as a light in this dark place. And they invited me because I have a knack for writing kind of creepy music. Uh, and I didn't know that God could actually use that. Uh, you don't normally find it here, you know. So I was working in this theater. I, I found puppetry again. I realized it wasn't just like a Sesame Street, Jim Henson thing. It was kind of avant-garde and creative and, and, and interesting and abstract, and, and I, I resonated with, with that in my, my early 20s. And so I created my own puppet show, the suitcase Sideshow, And for my spring break, I went to Brazil and did this show, The Story of Saul's Conversion, in a little pop-up marionette box. And I saw God do incredible things. The, we went into a brothel, did four shows, saw God really like break through, developed relationships with the, the church and these, these ladies working there. Uh, orphanages, went and did shows there, went and did shows uh, in favelas, had a machine gun pulled on me. Um, That's not in the book, but it happened. Uh, Just crazy stuff. And I came home, and we have a saying in Steiger, wrecked for the ordinary. And that was me. I was completely wrecked for the ordinary. I could not just go back to school. And and I did. I did go back to school. I finished school. But I, I just couldn't say, oh, I'm going to make it in Hollywood and try to pursue this, this career as a composer. I just, what I really wanted to do was change the world. I really wanted to make an impact here in this world, on this planet for Jesus. And I realized the world didn't need another blockbuster film. The world needed Jesus. And if that was me just being in the street, making the biggest impact I could being a street performer, then so be it. So I, I finished school, instead of doing my internship with uh, this composer guy, Hollywood guy, I went on tour with David Pierce and No Longer Music. And I haven't looked back. I, I've translated my show over 10 languages, I've traveled across the world, I met my wife in Germany, even though she's from Wisconsin. That was, con- that was convenient. Um, <laughs> We, we, we did shows in a juvenile jail, and I actually saw over the course of years with the, with the staff receiving Christ and a heart for those kids through God and working on them through my show, they actually changed this juvenile jail from being a, just a dingy communist, post-communist holding place to like this hospitable, caring facility facility that was truly rehabilitating these kids. Uh, that was a real change that I saw through, through God using our show and changing their hearts. I saw a Muslim come up to me, and he's like, this show is about real life. Islam is about dead tradition. I need this. <laughs> uh, we started a show in Turkey, uh, 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 their own little street performance to, to, do, to work in the Turkish-speaking world. Um, a few summers ago, I did my show in a couple prisons in Poland and saw, like, over 50 inmates stand to receive Christ with me, to pray with me. I mean, yeah, like, God has blown my mind for what a little puppet show can do, a little street performance puppet show. And and, and so I thought I'd write a book about this. You know, I learning... Um, how to surrender your art to the creator of the universe, the, the greatest artist of the universe. That's how, I, that's how I interact with the world. It's through my art. Uh, I decided to write a book, and I call it Kill Your Art. <laughs> so you can put that slide up. Yep, it's funny. Kill Your Art. It's like a collage, you know, torn up. And, and it's, it's controversial, all right? Like art should be. So... One of my friends came up to me and he's like, you know, <laughs> this name, it's not very good. Like, it's a little too harsh, I think. You know, people that are artists, they like their art, you know. And why would you write a book called Kill Your Art? You know, it's a little, a little too heavy. And I, I thought for a minute and I realized, well, he's either right or Jesus was really bad at marketing. And I, and I thought for a second, you know, maybe when Jesus said, die to yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, the disciples might have said, well, but I kind of like my life. Why would I want to die to myself? Or, or someone would have said, well, I like my art. Why would I like to kill my art? You know, but when Jesus said, die to yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. He wasn't saying, die to yourself so you can have a terrible life. He was saying, die to yourself so you can have the best life possible. And that is what this is about. This isn't about bad art or doing badly or, or whatever. This is about surrender. This is about a seed going into the ground, dying so it can truly produce fruit. It's, this is written into the fabric of nature. And something else, this is a saw, all right? And this is going to be a challenge, but I'm going to try. Um, this is a saw, and my grandpa taught me this skill. And this is one other way to explain kill your art. So for example, a saw by itself, cuts wood, okay? That's what it does. That's how it works. It's sort of uh, destructive in its nature. Maybe we feel like a saw sometimes, right? We have this tendency to feel alone, maybe in a shed by ourselves. Um, well, in the hands of, a, of, the, of an artist, the saw can do totally different things. Now, it has to apply a little stress it's a little uncomfortable for the saw. It has to work in a way that it's not custom, and it has, actually has to maybe yield its own will and, 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 uh, and surrender to the artist. But when it does, it can do something that it could never do on its own. You know, this is really hard with a microphone. Here we go, it can sing. Thank you. That's one of my hobbies, one of my, one of my skills. Now, you may not have much of like an art bent to you, right? You may not be able to play the saw. You may not be a painter. You may not be a musician. But we all have hobbies. We all have skills. We all have little passions and things that we like to do. Uh, it doesn't have to be a, an art per se, but whatever we have, when we surrender these things in different ways, God can move, he can work, he can do stuff that we cannot do on our own. So I'll give you three very practical examples of how this can work. Number one, first one, is don't fall for comfort. All right, now we always think Jesus brings peace and love and joy He brings these things, but I'm telling you, he doesn't bring, he brings these things to our spirit, but when Jesus shows up, our flesh might get a little uncomfortable, okay? Now, we know this. Luke 8, there's a story about uh, a demon-possessed guy who has legions of demons in him, and he comes to Jesus, and Jesus sees him, and we hear the story, and Jesus has compassion on him, and he drives the demons into the lake, and the guy is set free, and it's this beautiful story. But do we ever stop to think about the guy who owned the pigs? That was his business. Jesus just showed up, did a miracle, set one guy free, and threw this business into the sea. And this guy is probably, he's, he's kind of upset. He comes to Jesus with his friends, and they're, and they're like, get out of here. We, we can't afford you to destroy our economy. It's a little uncomfortable. But I imagine that Jesus is standing there with this business owner who owned the pigs. And he's got his disciples behind him. And there's the guy that just was demon-possessed between them. And maybe the guy who owned the pigs has a choice. You know, like Jesus has these fishermen behind him and tax collectors and people who left everything to follow him, not knowing what would happen. Does, this, does the businessman think for a second, and he does, that if I follow this guy, if I allow this to keep happening, my kids won't eat. I won't have a house. I won't be taken care of. Well, you see, Jesus is providing everything that the disciples need. He cares for them. He gives them what they need. They make it. But this guy, he would rather get his pigs back. He'd rather build his business and get his pigs back. So when Jesus shows up, it gets a little uncomfortable. He has a choice. And that, 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 that comfort keeps him from actually joining the kingdom of God and joining with the disciples. But instead, he wants his pigs back. Okay, so for me, I was a a kid once, and I was very shy and still kind of am. I'm an introvert. The pandemic hasn't been that hard for me. Uh, And when I would go to parties, I would... Go sit at the piano because I play music and I'm, a, I'm learning piano and I love piano and I don't like to talk to people. So I, I'd go to a party, I'd go and sit down and just play the piano. I might make a friend or two if someone came over and wanted to talk about the piano. But as I grew up, I felt God tell me, hey, you need to learn to talk to people, you need to get off the piano and stop just escaping. To the piano when you're around people. I want to use you in different ways. You got to learn how to talk to people. And so it'd be hard. I'd be at a party and my friends would go play the piano and I would just have to wander around the room and find someone to talk to. It's very difficult. Now, I'm not saying if you're shy, you got to change or anything like that. For me at that moment, I mean, there's a lot of people who are very good at talking, who need to learn the art of silence, right? But for me at that moment, it was time. God wanted me to kill my art. He wanted me to step through that, that discomfort. He wanted me to step into that awkwardness, into that, that challenge, that, that place. He didn't want me to just chase after my pigs. He wanted me to step into that discomfort. So that he could change me, and mold me, and grow me into something else that he could use. So don't fall for comfort. This is one way to kill our art. Number two, collaborate with a mission greater than yourself. All right, another great story. So Matthew 19, there's a story about a rich man, okay? And the rich man comes up to Jesus and says, Hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, sell everything you have, well, do the law. And he's like, okay, I've done that. And then he says, okay, then sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And the rich man's like, whoa, okay, S- settle down, Jesus. You know, that's pretty, that's pretty intense. Thank you. I'll, I'll see you later. Um, now, I'm an artist. I don't have a lot of money. I'm not rich. You know, most artists are like that. And so I don't exactly know what this rich man is, is feeling. But if I think a little deeper and try to relate to him, if I had money, I would imagine that a certain amount of wealth would bring a certain amount of pride or maybe security or maybe it would bring a certain like, value to my existence uh, or maybe it would bring confidence to me, to my personality or to my social status. So as an artist, what do I have? that could, in fact, bring that same stuff? What do I have as an artist that, could, that does give me confidence, that does give me pride or security? Maybe it's number of albums sold, but not for me, but maybe some other artist. Uh, maybe it's your, your, uh, how many followers you have on social media or your, your influence or your connections. Maybe it's your, your, your status and what you can do, who you know, uh, maybe this is all different for different people and that, that's what gives us our wealth. So what I think what, what Christ is telling the rich man and really is an example for all of us, I mean, I've met people in the street where their wealth is their shame, it's their stories, it's their scars. Maybe I think God is telling us Whatever gives you that security, that pride, that value of your existence, that confidence, give it to me. Let's collaborate. Let's work together. Let's build the kingdom together. Give it to the poor with me. Now, this collaboration is not just a biblical concept. It is very much a a creative concept. I mean... If you're a fan of any films at all, you'll see the, the mile-long credits at the end of all the collaborators that worked together, that brought their unique gifts together to, to create something that was far bigger and better than what any of them individually could do by themselves. I mean, you've got screenwriters, you've got... The director, you've got costume designers, editors, music supervisors, executive directors. I mean, it's just a mod. Star Wars is like, it's got to be thousands of people, right? So here we are, as Christ creatives. We have an ability to collaborate with the creator of the universe. And what does the creator of the universe do so much better than what we can do, that we can actually collaborate with the creator of the universe, work together, and do something far better than what we could do on our own. Well, there's a lot of people saying they do salvation really well. (laughs) Only the creator of the universe does salvation really well. There's a lot of people that say they do love really well. Only the creator of the universe does love the best, you know? The creator of the universe does joy, does peace, does forgiveness. The creator of the universe does a lot of cool things better than anybody else. And if we want to infuse that into what we do, we have to collaborate. Now, if you've worked together in any project, you know when you collaborate, you don't always get your own way. Most of the time, you don't. And that's hard. (laughs) That's hard for an artist. You fall in love with your idea. It becomes your baby. You got to put it on the chopping block. It's difficult. But that's discipleship learning to collaborate with the creator of the universe. It's hard. You don't always get your own way. But that's discipleship. You learn the art of compromise, of patience, of sacrifice. That's discipleship. That's where we grow. And the third way to kill your art is by allowing God to do a lot with a little. All right, 1 Corinthians 1.26 says, But God chose the foolish things in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in this world to shame the strong, so nobody can boast. All right, I learned to surrender my art in the streets, in the sidewalks, as a busker, with the suitcase sideshow. It's a little show. It's not glamorous. There's no big lights, there's no big sound system, there's no tickets sold. People walk with and vote with their feet. There's not a lot to boost the ego in the street. But Jesus defines success by obedience, not popularity. Our God can do a lot with a little. He took a shepherd boy and he brings down a giant. He takes five, he takes some loaves and fishes and he feeds thousands. He created all of this from nothing. And he took a few disciples and he flipped the world upside down. Our God can do a lot with a little. So, We'll get back to my story. I went to school. Hit the street. Became a missionary. Went into missions for 15 years, give or take. Still in it. Still doing it. Going strong. And then, while I was in school, well, before, while I was in school, I, I saw this movie called Nosferatu. It's a silent horror film from 1922. And when I was watching it, shook me to tears, and I felt the Holy Spirit, and I saw it as a very clear allegory of the cross and the resurrection. And I felt like I should just put that on the shelf. I don't know what to do with that, but that was cool. Many, many years later, I get some tickets to see this show with an eight-piece band, and there's a, a silent film playing at the Parkway Theater in Minneapolis. And I go, and I see this band performing this live music, which is pretty common in Minneapolis, uh, live music with a silent film. And I thought it was good. It was fine. It was, the music was cool. But you could see that the composer had a worldview that he was projecting through the music. The evil wasn't that dark. The, 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 the sacrifice wasn't that strong. Everything was kind of relative. And I felt the Holy Spirit t- speak to me and say, okay, now. Now what? Now. And I looked at what I had, and I'm not, I didn't know any musicians, because I'm I'm not really at that point plugged into the scene, because I travel so much. I knew a guy who could write, who who could illustrate a comic book in Brazil. And so I created a comic book called Curse of the Vampire, this horror vampire story that's an allegory for the gospel. We'd hand it out at Marilyn Manson shows and hand it out at metal shows and vampire raves at First Ave and use it as a way to show people who Jesus was to that culture, speaking their language in a very relevant way. Well, I pitched it to a, a festival that I worked with in Poland for many, many years, and they'd booked these tours with me and given me the keys to the castle, basically, to do festivals. To do, to do, um, Workshops on the saw and puppet shows, and I said, "You guys show Nosferatu, and we can translate this comic book, and it'll be a cool thing." And they were there. It's a Christian Ran secular art festival. You might have heard about it through Steiger. It's called Slot Art Festival. And they said we like the idea, but it's a silent film. There should be music. Can you write music for it? And I'm like, "Well, I don't know. I mean." That's a lot of work, maybe. I haven't done that ever for, well, for a really long time. Kind of threw that towel away and moved on. They're like, well, maybe you could do it. And I'm like, well, I don't have an orchestra. We have an orchestra. Well, you can use it. And we'll give you a main stage and a couple thousand people to watch the show. And I'm like, What? All right, I did the math and the time that it would take to write this score and realized that's a pretty heavy impact for the gospel. Uh, Can I share the gospel at the end and how I see this film? And they said, absolutely, we don't expect anything less. And so there I was. I killed my art. I gave my talents to God. I hit the street. I gave up my dream. I I said, God, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. I'm not looking for chasing the rat race or fortune and glory. I just want to impact this world for Jesus. And I left it for the mission field. And then about 15 years later, the mission field brought it back. And can we see that for a second? Like God's a father and he wired us a certain way and he loves us and he has a plan. But sometimes you got to go through that desert. Sometimes you got to take the long road before you're ready for the promised land, ready for something bigger. And so I, I did the show. I, I was given a 50-piece orchestra, and it my first time to actually ever conduct and write for a full orchestra. And we performed the show, and people gave their life to Jesus. 80% of the orchestra was not believers. So there's this discipleship process and this relational evangelism that's going on in rehearsals in Poland. And God just put all these people around me that were experts in their field. And together we created this show called Nosferatu. And then I get home to the Music Box Theater. And that's where I go to church. And they say, well, if you can do that in Europe, why can't you do it here? This this theater here in Minneapolis was the quintessential silent film theater in the early 1920s. And now we own it. And we're a church can you do Nosferatu here? I'm like, well, once again, the problem is I don't have an orchestra. And I don't know anybody here who can help me get one. Well, if you, And then they said, if you can get an orchestra, you can do a show. Well, how does that happen? How does it happen where a guy who's not been in the scene, doesn't know any musicians, gave up that long, long, long ago? How does a guy like that Get an orchestra, a volunteer orchestra. There's no logical way that that happens. You guys probably have a hard enough time finding people to play worship (laughs) on stage every Sunday, right? (laughs) Most churches do, and yet, after a thousand phone calls, I got 35 people to be in my first orchestra for for, for, as volunteers, believers, non-believers. It's a miracle. It's a total miracle. And then we started touring in Europe. And then the pandemic happened. So then we started, right, I wrote a new production. Look, I'm not here to try to like, I'm bragging on God. He's done something. And if this can at least just be an encouragement to you, can, how can you collaborate with the creator of the universe for a higher purpose than yourself? How can you let go of your comfort and stop depending on yourself but depend more on the creator? What do you have that seems little but can do a lot when you surrender it to the creator? In Romans 1.25, it says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who was forever praised. I know we're not all creative kind of people, but whether you're a a stay-at-home mom or a businessman or you like to go fishing or you're a painter or just a, a secret poet, God can do a lot with a little. He can use it. He can help us interact with the world and meet people and impact people for the kingdom through those hobbies, through those interests, through those things that we do doesn't matter how big or small it may be. And it may take a little while. It may take some compromise. It may take some discipleship. But God's a good father. He, he wired us a certain way. And he has a plan for each of our lives. And I'm just here to brag on God that, wow, what a, what a trip. Nobody could write the story that you and I have when, I, when we surrender our lives to the creator. Right? So let's pray. And I wanted to just encourage you uh, to stand with me. If, if this is something that you want, if you have uh, uh, something that you're thinking about while I'm, I'm talking, and you, you do want to surrender that. You do want to kill your art. You do want to... Die to yourself so you can truly live. Kill your art so it can truly live. To stand with me right now as I pray. And then I think God will see that as just an act and as a first step. And, and, and it's, it's real because sometimes as intellectuals, it's all up here until we take that first step. Then it becomes more and more real. So go ahead. If that's you, stand with me. And let's pray. Father, you see everybody here, you see our hearts. You see our desires. You see our innermost struggles, our pain. You see the things that inspire us. You see the things that just confuse us. And you love us all with all of it. You're so good. You're so, you're so wonderful. And we trust you. And we just come to you right now. And thank you that you want to partner with people like us. That you want to impact this world with people like us. As, as, as we come to you imperfect and with, with some baggage and with struggles and questions, you don't expect us to rise to your level. You come down to our level and you show us just the next step. So God, I pray for everybody here. As we're all looking for that next step, that next way to have the life that you've called us to have, to to dream the dreams that only you can dream, to to let go of our plans, to surrender our plans so that we're not held, held captive by the limitations of our imaginations. But we are surrendered to your imagination and your plans and your dreams your will. So we thank you, God, that you choose people like us and more, so many people who, 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 who are not here that you want to use, you have a wonderful plan for, but you choose to use us, God, to bring your love, to bring your power and your message of hope and truth to the lost and to those who, who have no hope and have no hope no sense of, of, of truth and passion or, or, or purpose for their lives, God, you are so good and that you created us for a purpose so God, I and everyone here we don't want to miss out on, on the fullest of what you have, and for the sake of those who are who are struggling and suffering and are, are just they don 't have a hope. They woke up this morning, everything hit the fan, and now they got to try to fix it themselves, and they're, they're stuck. Lord, we have a hope. We want to share that hope. We have a good Father. We're not alone. And so, God, I pray that everybody here, you would show them on their, on their journey, show them what the next step is and where they need to, to just dig in and work hard where they need to let it go, where they need to rest, where they need to meditate on you. Just show them what that next step is. Continue the journey, Lord, that there may be stories and books and and testimonies and ideas that can only be attributed to the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of us. Thank you, God. Thank you for this this time and this church and everything you're doing here, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I guess there's one more thing that you can do to uh, die to yourself and pick up your cross and follow Jesus. And that is risk going to Minneapolis for a show. uh, during the pandemic, I, I composed a new film score uh, called—it's from Charlie Chaplin, The Kid. Uh, you've all heard of Charlie Chaplin, but have you ever seen Charlie Chaplin preach the gospel? Probably not. Well, if we can have a vampire story preach the gospel, I think Charlie Chaplin can preach the gospel. Um, next weekend is Valentine's weekend. Uh, don't forget, I know the Super Bowl is kind of a big deal. Men, guys, it's also Valentine's weekend. Um, We're doing a show, and it's a Valentine's show with Charlie Chaplin, and it's another way for us to be in Minneapolis to show a father's love for people who are down and out, for the tramp, for people who are struggling in the streets, for the kids that are unwanted, for the kids that get thrown away, that are struggling in school and whatever that there's a miracle, and just after that dark place is could be the biggest miracle, and that's the story of the kid. So we're going to show a video, and then I'm going to let Paul wrap it up. Thank you for having me, and uh, we've got Kill Your Art books and um, travel of a family sideshow books in the back. I'll be back there with my wife to to talk and hang out, and if you'd like to. Follow what we do, we have a newsletter and all that kind of stuff. So we'd love to meet you. Thank you very much. During the pandemic, I was commissioned to write a piece of music for McPhail Center of Music called Light in the Well. And Light in the Well was a piece to honor people with disabilities and their caregivers. Near the end of that composition time, I stumbled upon a Charlie Chaplin film that just seemed to have the same characteristics as Light in the Well, based on the five stages of grief and love. And as I watched this Charlie Chaplin film, it all just made sense. It all just fit. The same themes were represented in this film. Now, The Curse of the Vampire Orchestra has mostly been known for a horror genre. Nosferatu, a symphony of horror, vampires, intensity, uh, big orchestra, not plastic. And I wondered, how can Charlie Chaplin fit into that? And it wasn't until I saw the kid that I realized there is nothing more horrifying than a, a kid being torn away from his mother and then his adopted father. And as a father myself, I realized, this is horror. This is real horror, this is real life. And this is a a film with a story that I think needs to be told. In this film, you're gonna see the Tramp, how I think he wants to be seen. You're gonna see a father fight for his kid and a mother receive a second chance. It's an honor to bring The Kid by Charlie Chaplin back to the big screen this Valentine's weekend with The Curse of the Vampire Orchestra.
1: At musicboxtheater.org, you can get tickets there, or um, just in case it's sold out, I bought a, bo- a block of 10 tickets that I also have for the show coming up on Saturday. So if you want tickets to see Philip and his orchestra and in this, uh, this incredible film, um, just come and see me and I can make sure that you've got it. Um, last thing is this, um, they, Philip and his wife are going to be out here in the lobby as you leave. Um, here's, here's something that you can do for them. Um, he didn't mention this, but I'm going I'm to bring this up. They have a fourth kid on the way. Inflation, of course, has done this and taken over. Um, he needs support. He needs to increase his support to carry on doing what God has called him to do. Um, Listen to what God is saying to you. If you want to be a part of the support team for Philip and his ministry, um, go and talk to him on your way out and become a partner supporting this ministry that God's given him. All right, we're going to close our time with a song and um, and go just reflecting on what God has spoken to you this morning. Um, Why don't you guys take it away?
2: This is a great song just to kind of reflect on that. Becoming less, letting God become more in us and we'll sing Christ Be Magnified. You guys can stand up. We're creation Suddenly articulate With a thousand to lift one cry, then from north to south and east to west, we'd hear Christ be magnified. sea and the sky from rivers to the mountain tops we hear Christ be magnified oh Christ be magnified let His praise arise Be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified on the altar of my life. Oh, Christ be magnified in me. When every creature finds its inmost melody. Every human heart, its native cry. Oh, then in one rapture hymn of praise, we'll sing Christ and be magnified, be magnified, sing this out, church. to my life Christ be magnified in me and I won't bow to idols I'll stand strong and worship you if it puts me in the fire I'll rejoice cause you're there too I won't be formed by feelings I'll hold fast to what is true If the cross brings transformation Then I'll be crucified with you Cause death is just the doorway To resurrection life If I join you in your suffering Then I'll join you when you rise and when you return in with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing, my song will be the same. Oh, Christ be magnified and let his praise arise. Christ be magnified. magnified from the altar of my life Christ be magnified in me oh Christ be magnified and let his praise arise Christ be magnified in me oh Christ be magnified from the altar of my life Christ be magnified in me. Grace and peace. We'll see you next week.